Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're excited to be coming to you through this platform today. We hope that your heart is encouraged, that your faith is stirred by what God speaks to you today. God bless you. Enjoy the message. Everyone standing here for just one moment. We're going to read a verse of scripture here together in our series that we've been working on all this month, which is the true light. Everybody say, Jesus is is the true light. light. So just for a little bit here today, I want to take our scripture out of John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was in the beginning and through him, all things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. I want to kind of work on this here today. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Uh, A little further on in John, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spake unto the Pharisees again, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. Let me just add this verse. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, "Uh, you bear record of yourself and your record is not true. I'm glad we're bearing witness of his record today and that his record is true. Jesus is the light and the one and the true and the living light. So uh, just before you sit down, just tell everyone what you've been telling them all month. Jesus is the true light. Come on, tell them. Jesus is the true light. All right, I'm going to preach you a message here today. Um... Because as it relates to our understanding of God, it is, a, uh, it, it is an incredible concept to think that man should know anything about God. If you understand the, the, the true totality of who God is, um, the basic understanding is that God is only known because he desires to be known. He is so God that there's no way that you could crash into his realm. There's no way you could roll up on him and know anything about him because he's not like anything else that has ever been or ever will be. He is in a class all by himself. This is really the definition of what the word holy means. Holy means other. And God is holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, H-O-L-L-Y. He is holy, holy. That means he is completely something else other than anything else. I'm walking that out with you because because God wants to be known, there's such a chasm between who God is and who we are that it's almost as if God has to condescend or work at finding ways that we might know anything at all about him. So every analogy, every metaphor, every type, every symbol, everything that God uses to try to describe himself to us uh, somewhere falls short because he is God all by himself. 
So he says, he says I'll, I'll do my best with you, but uh, the, I'm kind of like wind, but I'm not wind. And I can be like rain, but I'm not rain. I can be like fire, but I'm not fire. I can be like the tabernacle, but I'm not the tabernacle. I could be, he, and he just goes on and on working it out. I, I say this because in the concept of creation, we see that there is an ongoing parallel between the cosmic natural universe and the spiritual transcendent universe. That is to say that we have the sun and we have the sun. We have the S-U-N and we have the S-O-N. And somewhere in the, in, in the midst of all this, God is giving us a picture and an analogy that everything in this natural universe takes its life from the S-U-N. That it is impossible for there to be life on this planet without the sun. And the sun affects the light of the sun affects everything. Everything else uh, is a reflective light from the sun. And then we don't have to walk through all of it about how, it is, how it's a cleansing agent and how it, it, it affects everything that is. But the, but the light that comes from the sun affects everything in the natural universe. Are you with me so far? Uh, I say that, though, but you have to know that that's not the true light. That's a natural light. It's an example of what, what is the true light. And when you read Genesis, you find out that when God said, let there be light, he had yet to create the sun. There was a light before there was a sun. In the beginning, God said, help me. That's poor. We're going to try that again. In the beginning, God said, and it's not until later that God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. This tells me that there was a light huh, before there was a light. There was an S-O-N huh, before there was an S-U-N. And the S-U-N gives light to everything in the natural world, but the S-O-N gives light to everything that is in the spiritual world. And just as when God said, let there be light, there was no wrestling match. There was no ability for the, for the night season or the dark season to overpower the light that God had spoken. So it is when Christ comes that the darkness has no power to overcome him because he is the true and the living light. Jesus said about himself, I am the light of the world. Let me just walk this out with somebody for just a, a little bit so you, you, you may understand, if you're, if you're new to the faith, the, the understanding that we have that, um, that the, world, the world lives in a present darkness. The world lives in a present darkness uh, that causes them to be blinded to the things of God. And the interesting part that I like to read is that when it said the light shined into the darkness, but the darkness could not overcome it. The world that Jesus was born into when the word became flesh was a deeply divided world. I don't want to trouble you with theology, but when God said, let there be light, the Bible said the evening and the morning were the first day. 
Most of the time in Western culture, we start in the morning and go into the evening, and we call that a day. But God was giving a picture that he starts in the darkness and shines a light into the darkness. And when you come out of darkness into the light, then that becomes your first day in the kingdom. And God put a division between darkness and light because the, the darkness cannot overcome the true light when it shines. Let me, let me just work it out so that you understand that the world that Jesus came into was a world that was divided. Darkness was upon the minds of the people. Wherever there is darkness, there is division. I'm going to try that again. Wherever there is darkness, there is division. I'm just looking for my amen section. Wherever there is darkness, there is division. You will find out that the more light that you walk into and the more of Jesus that you possess, the less your life is filled with division. And Jesus came into a world that, that was incredibly divided. It was a world that, that centered in on some things. I made a list for you. The division between Jews and Gentiles. This is a division created by darkness or the absence of being able to see properly. The absence of being able to understand. The absence of seeing things properly. Jews and Gentiles, great separation. Men and women and their roles in society, greatly divided. I'm getting there. Children were, were, not, were not allowed to be, quote, unquote, little peoples. <laughs> they, they were put on the outside of things. Teenagers were not allowed to be used in proper ministry. You had to be 30 years old. That's why Jesus waited till he was 30 to fulfill the law so he could fix the law. Had to be 30. Then we have this, this big division between clean and unclean. It was a world that was, was very concerned with uh, what was clean and unclean. What you could eat, what you couldn't eat. What you could wear, the fabrics, and the other fabrics you couldn't wear. One day above another day. Clean and unclean. A great division between the rich and the poor. And, uh, and the, the poor people thought all the rich people were bad, and the rich people thought all the poor people were bad. A line of division. The haves and the have-nots. Some people had it all. Some people didn't have nothing at all. It is a world that was uniquely divided. There were those who were concerned about who was first and who was last. The problem with what I, this list I'm giving you is that you're catching up to where I'm going before I get there, that it's the world of today. Because we live in a time where there is the globalization of indifference, by which we feel indifferent towards people that we are not close to in proximity. And so now we live in a, a culture uh, by which um, it's easy to attack people and to cause lines of division. Now, I came to say something really nice to you. This is my little Christmas present to you. That if it's easy for you to divide yourself from other people, you are in darkness. I wish you could see who's clapping and who's not. It should not be so easy for us 
to live in the world that Jesus called dark that he came to shine a light into. He came to shine a light into the darkness believing that the darkness could not overcome him. And that he could bring about unity where there was at one time division. Yeah. So that the last knew that they could become first. <laughs> that the have-nots could also have. That the poor could become rich. That the unclean could become clean. That women would be free to lead. That children would be free to be received. That teenagers would be able to say, let no man despise your youth. And that the Jews and the Gentiles were able to become one under the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And the, the, the problem is, is that there, there's, a, there's a group of people that remain in darkness, which is who Jesus was talking to in John 8 that I read unto you. And that is the Pharisees. Isn't it amazing? Because the Pharisees loved the us and them. And the Pharisees, please, please, the Pharisees saw themselves uh, as a part of the in crowd. The Pharisees believed we are the us and everybody else is the them. We are the haves and everybody else is the have-nots. No, you, you're going to catch me. The Pharisees say we are the clean. Everybody else is unclean. There's a problem when you take the understanding of election and turn it into a doctrine of favoritism. If, if you understand that if God is going to come in the flesh, he has to either come in a male or a female body. So he elected to come in a male body. Hello. Hello. If he is going to come through a bloodline, he has to elect some ethnic group to come through. So he elected the Jewish people. Before there was Jewish people, there was a father of faith named Abraham. So as to where men will connect things to a certain place in history, God says, I'm going back to the father of faith. Because without any example, without any prototype, without any Bible, without anybody to tell him, Abraham believed God after the Tower of Babel and walked out to a place that God would show him. And Abraham begets Isaac, and Isaac begets Jacob. Before, before there was a Jewish nation, there was a Jewish... Israel is a person before Israel is a nation. My, my point is, Jesus had to come from somewhere. The problem with us when we live in darkness is we take something that has been elected for a moment... And we try to turn it into that must be God's favorite. And whenever you have a mentality of God's favorite, you move into a pharisaical 
us and them. And so, so the Jewish religion, Judaism, adopted that because they were God's chosen people in, in their minds. And therefore, that made a great division because there was no way for anyone who was not born of the bloodline to be able to be a servant of God. That produced a big division. Because God chose to create Adam first and Eve second, the men created a mentality of favorite. That men are God's favorites. We know this is not true. Because when God sees the man, he said he needs some help. I'm going to have to create some help. Just as a little side journey, the word, this is important because, because the, the word for help meet is the same word that David will later use to describe the Holy Spirit and God's work in his life. You have, to, you have to get this because otherwise you see the woman as an ancillary. You see the woman as a housemaid. You see the woman as her whole thing is just to help you do whatever it is you want to do. She is not an add-on, an ancillary. She's not a glorified housemaid. She is, she is as much created in the image of God as man is. I, I'm just working it out for you. I'm working it out for you because if you miss it, if you miss it, if you miss it, you're not going to understand that when the David, David says, the Lord is my helper. That is the same word that is used for Eve. That means that there's something that you can't know about God through men only. And there is something you can't know about God through women only. God created them in his image, male and female created he them. But we live in a world where, where there is divisions amongst the, the races, divisions amongst the genders, division amongst the ethnic groups, division amongst the generations, because we've allowed darkness to prevail over, but the light is shining into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Come on, say Hallelujah. There is a light that comes into the darkness. You, you won't totally ever understand the body of Christ until you come out of darkness. Till you come out of darkness and you come out of the us and the them mentalities. And we have too many people today who don't know how to come out of the us and the them mentality. And you have the temerity and the arrogance to believe that if people don't see everything the way that you see it, that somehow they are a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. And it's the fact that you think that you are above that that puts you in a pharisaical category. Hallelujah. The... Uh, this, this is the, the greatness of Jesus. He goes to the people who think that they are the clean, to the people that believe that they're on the inside, and the people who believe that they are the us, and that everybody else is the them, and he starts talking to them to watch the lights go on while he's speaking to them to realize, I think he just put us 
on the outs. He just put us with the them. The Pharisees had a hard time with this. I hope you don't mind me saying to you that, uh, that, that uh, religion that is not accurate to what Jesus teaches can put you in a position of justifying wrong behavior and make you feel holy and superior by condemning other people that, that, uh, that are not where you're at and gives you the way to put yourself on the inside rather realize that Jesus was not about us and them. He was about all of us. And you don't get any points. You don't get any points for being a man. You don't get any points for being a woman. I'm talking about as it relates to faith. You don't get any points to being young or old. You don't get any points for being Jews or Gentiles. You don't get any points because everybody comes in the same way. <laughs> Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And the light shined into the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And I know I can feel, I can feel some of your philosophical, cultural arguments battling with what I'm trying to tell you because it's working on in your mind because you're misunderstanding. You misunderstand the fact that I am perfectly aware of what happens in the world. And I'm perfectly uh, capable of understanding injustices. And perfectly, I've spent half of my life, more than half of my life working on it. And it doesn't mean that we don't work on it. But I, what I'm trying to tell you is it is, it is, it is a... A, a, a thing that goes all the way back to Eden and then goes into the Tower of Babel by which mankind thinks that he can fix the world without the light of the world. So we like to think that we, we're going we're gonna to get it all, but, but, but you, can't ever, you can't ever get everyone on the same page when there is a division between light and dark. This is my present for you. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Watch this now. He that follows me, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That tells me then that the, that the picture is this, that, that Jesus being the light that comes into the world is not something that is foreign to us. Hmm. It's not a new thing. It was the original lights that shined before the sun, before the moon. So this is not an intrusive light. It's not an invading light. It's not something that should be foreign to us. The understanding is that we were created to be in fellowship with this light. Somebody should tell you that you were created to walk in the light, that you were created to get into the light, but you cannot, you cannot bring darkness into the light because the, light, the darkness cannot overcome the light of the world. Jesus says then, if you follow me, following him then means that, that we are connected to him. I want to talk to someone who sometimes goes to church. I want to talk to someone who sometimes goes to church. You got to follow him. Following him is not sometimes going to church. 
If you sometimes go to church, you will find yourself living in darkness. And like living in a dark room that every so often you flip a light switch on. As soon as the light switch goes off, you back in darkness. I'm going to pray a prayer for you before I leave. This is, this is what it means to, to walk with him, that we, are, that we are with him, following him, connected to him. And I don't, I don't want anyone to think that, that I believe that there is this moment in time when you become perfect. I was talking with someone uh, some time back, and they were telling me, you know, I've been, I've been a Christian for a while, but I feel like, you know, I have so much to grow. And I said, well, we're going to do that till we die. You, you're never going to get to the point where, you know, you, you, you land on square 10 and say, oh, I got it all together now. I don't, want to, I don't want to say to you that you're going to come to the level of perfection. I mean, it means that when we walk with him, he has a tendency to keep walking me into more lights. The danger, the danger of humanity is that I don't try to pull him into my dark. Because the darkness cannot overcome it. The darkness cannot comprehend it. The darkness cannot extinguish it. And so rather than me trying to pull God into my corner of us versus them, of me being right and everybody being wrong, of me being better than somebody else and me having while you have not, and me being first while you are last, and me being rich while you are poor, and me being holy while you are unholy, if I let him, he's going to pull me into the light and I'm going to pull somebody with me and tell them if you're last you can be first. If you're poor you can be rich. Oh if you have not you too can have. You can be who you can be unclean but you too can be clean because what God has done for one he can do for another and he didn't do it because of who your parents were and he didn't do it because of your ethnic group. He didn't do it because of your political party. He didn't do it because of what you got hanging in your closet and what you drove up to this church building in. He did it because there was only one true light and his name is Jesus. Where's my church at today? His name. He is the one and the true light. I have to resist the temptation at all times not to allow the darkness to encroach upon my thinking. I have to guard against it because the world is set up in, its, in the system of the world is set up for darkness. Oh yes, oh yes. If you don't walk with Jesus on a regular basis, you're going to find yourself mad at people you don't even know. Oh my goodness. I didn't mean to get all the way over in here, but, I, but here I am. If, if you try to pull God into your darkness, one of the signs of maturity to me is the ability for God to say something to me that is totally against the opinion I've developed. 
I get nervous with people who the only time God talks to them is when he agrees with them. I mean, they down to the, to whoever, whoever's going to win the Super Bowl. Right? They'll be like, Jesus wants my team to win because three people on the team are Christians. As if people on the other team ain't no Christians over here. You know we could get a lot more serious than this, don't you? How we try to pull God into our corner. And when you try to pull God into your corner, you reduce God. You reduce God to the level of the people in that corner. And they, everybody in anybody's corner ain't all good. And ain't all bad. And ain't all right. And ain't all wrong. So how about you walk in the light? Because you'll find out that when you start, if, if, if you come to a place of maturity, you can develop hard, fast opinions on something. And then God will speak to you something that causes you to reevaluate where you came to. That's a sign of maturity. It is a sign of immaturity for you to try to baptize everything you think and try to make us believe that God is supporting your thoughts. That is you trying to pull God into your darkness. And the evidence of that darkness is division. Jesus came, my brothers and sisters, Jesus came to produce one body. He says, I'm one way, there's one truth, and there's one light, one life. I light every person. I am, watch, I am the light of the world. I don't know why preacher, preachers don't preach it anymore. They want to preach to people that there's a thousand ways to get to God. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. If somebody else could have saved you, God would have sent it. You could have saved yourself. God would have, God would have saved himself. The problem. Jesus says to them, to the Pharisees, if you read, if you read all of it, you, you, you'll see he has this whole discourse with them because they're having a problem with Jesus declaring that he is the light of the world. Because to them, they think they're in the light. They think they're the clean. They think they're the haves. They think they're the holies. And everybody else is on the outside. And Jesus starts doing things that upset that. He says, he says about the children, because they were going to keep the children out, outside. And Jesus said, no, bring, suffer the little children to come to me. I got about two comments on each one of these, and I'm going to let you all go home. We have too many people that think that they're in the light, that think they're doing a good job raising children just because you're providing for natural things. And, well, you should. Well, you should. I mean, all of us, all of us want to do the best we can for our kids, grandkids, all that kind of stuff. I think some of you may, may have seen uh, Phil and Meredith posted the other day that, uh, that they, you know, they, they're pregnant. That's the way young people say it. They're pregnant. When I was coming up, Kathy was pregnant. But anyway, they're pregnant. I wasn't getting pregnant with her. I did my job. (laughs) 
And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and Phil and Mary, they had, you may have seen that they, they had posted that they're, they're, they're going to have a boy in April. And um, we're pretty excited about it. And um, so I had said to them, you know, think about all the money that you're going to save on clothes. Because you don't have to buy new clothes, if it, I mean, if it was a girl. And then I started thinking about, think about the money I'm going to save. Because if it was a grand girl, a baby, a baby girl, I'd, I'd be broke. Because I'd just be like, yes, honey, you know, what do you need? How did I get off on that? Where was I going? Children. Thank you. Children. Thank you. I got lost there for a minute. So... So, so I, I believe in taking care. I, I don't believe in abuse. God has never called you to abuse anyone. You don't own anybody. No one is your property. Uh, they, they may be, you may be steward over their well-being, but being a steward over their well-being means that you have to give an answer to God for how you treat them. When we sing, Oh, Holy Night, and there's that line in there that I always think about, for the slave is our brother, because most people don't understand that there are more slaves in the world today than there has ever been, because the price of human beings are cheaper than they have ever been. And, and, and Jesus came to shine a light and to tell us that we are brothers with people who are under oppression, and we are, we, we are a generation of mountain movers that are determined to bring it down. I need somebody with some faith to say something. I said, it's coming down. It's coming down. So, so, so I get all that. I don't, believe in, I don't believe in physical abuse, psychological abuse, sexual abuse, financial abuse. I don't believe in any, any of that kind, kind of abuse. I want to be clear about that because you need to take care of the natural. The number one cause for, for child abuse is ignorance. Because it is possible for you to have give birth to something that you're not mature enough to raise. And, um, and if you expect a, a three-year-old to have the same attention span as a seven-year-old or cognitive abilities, all of those things, then that, that produces that kind of environment. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be clear because I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood with this. But I got to tell you that when God gives you children as a gift from God, Jesus said... Bring them to me. Part of your responsibility is to make sure they find themselves in the house of God and to make sure they know some Bible verses and to make sure they know something about the God that you want them to serve. Can I have all the men stand up for a minute? I just want to put this word on, the, on our men because I've already been clear as, as to the fact that, that we are not favorites. But we do have a role. Does everybody get that? Because a house is named after the man of the house. When Kathy and I got married, she took my name. Huh? I didn't take her name. She took my name. That's why people like Joshua was able to say, as for me and my house. If, if you have a wife and children, then you are a husband. 
comes from two words, house band. It is your job to band that house together to the things of God and not be the problem of the house, but to be the answer of the house. And I'm declaring over the men of this house that you will band your house together and that you will make sure that you do your part. Everybody be seated for a minute. Okay, ladies, stand up because I got to tell the ladies something. I got to tell the ladies something here because you have, you have a lot to say in this because it's not just, it's not just, it's not just that, that men have it, uh, but most, every, every person that was healed of blindness in the Bible was male. <laughs> but every person that had issues. See, now, you, 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 I didn't get no pushback from the men. I ain't no pushback from the men. Lady, like, oh, you better watch out, watch out. So, so, one of the things that you have to see, I want you to see, I want you to see the duality here. Because in the New Testament, when, G, when, when the Apostle Paul is getting ready to start his church in Philippi, they do it at Lydia's house. Lydia was a businesswoman. She was a wealthy woman. She was a woman of influence. And then when, when, when the Bible said when she got saved, then she asked them to come over to her house. And then the Bible said the same thing about Lydia. And everybody in her house got baptized. What I'm trying to declare over you is don't let darkness pull you into a corner of being some non-feminine female, non-Proverbs 31 woman. Do you hear me? You don't have to be ugly, mean, attitude, and then brag about it. Start walking in the light, and Jesus will be your light. Somebody say hallelujah. That's my thing. Okay, y'all better sit down. That's my thing on kids. That was my two senses on kids. I think we, I think it, 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 it's something, it's something, it's something. When you, when you can drive down the streets of a city in the summertime and see kids out playing outside on a Sunday and they don't, they don't even know what Noah's Ark is. They think David and Goliath is something made up out of Disney. Talk to me in here. But when Jesus came, Jesus came and he redeemed the children. He shined a light into the darkness. And the darkness could not overcome it. It's amazing how many teenagers were kings in the Bible. It's amazing how Timothy was a teenager when he started traveling with Paul. It's amazing how young Timothy was when he was pastoring of church that most people believe was about 30,000 people. That's why Paul had to keep writing letters. <laughs> and uh, giving him some help there. But, um, but Paul's... Paul says to him, let no man, that's why he told him to, let no man despise your youth. Somehow we have developed a thing that's purely in a, 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 an American origin, which is the concept of adolescence and the concept of generation gap, which means that once we drop you into that category, then that means we don't expect you to grow up until you're 40. Somehow we have accepted the mentality that because a person is a teenager, they are spiritually impaired. They can do everything else. I said they can do everything else. 
But somehow you think that they can't understand the things of God. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that because I can feel you. That, um, that when we come to the place that I've already addressed, the roles of women, the roles of men, that we have to understand that God has given us two genders to reveal him in the earth. And that it is only the opposites that have the power to reproduce the image of God in the midst of the earth. And I'm going to say this out loud, then I'm going to go sit down. Because, because we are in days of, of times when we have the feminizing of our men and the masculizing of our women. And it is possible for men to lead and be men and to be masculine without being macho and out being crass and to have some manners and, and to know how to open up a door for a woman and to have some manners and still be able to lead and run the devil out of a city. And it is possible for our women to lead and to teach and to preach and to raise families and to start businesses and to be community leaders and not have to be rough and tough and some kind of an ugly character where people run away from you coming because they ought to be able to see the feminine part that God has given you and know that I don't have to surrender that to lead something. I just want to say that out loud before I sit down. We have parents that are acting like children, which are causing their children to have to act like adults. And it's time to let the light shine. Somebody say, let the light shine. The light has to shine. The light has to shine. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to the end. My, 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 point, my point on it is that um, if, if, if the world that we are in was made for the light, then that means that the light is not foreign to us. We have a tendency to move toward the light. Here's the thing. That if the world is to have light, it has to come through Jesus. It is the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus that will shine light into every darkness. If the world is to have light, it has to come through Jesus. He is the light of the world. And then what I'm saying to you is that everybody, this is simple, everybody, everybody needs Jesus. I said everybody. Everybody needs Jesus. This is, this is what happens. This is my, my, my last two minutes. This is, this is what happens uh, with light. Kathy and I have uh, in our house a, a stained glass um, that came out of an old church. And, um, and um, we hung it up over the window so that you can see it. The interesting thing about this is that we originally got it to go on the wall. Because we have a space on the wall, and we want to put that on the wall. The problem is, when we put it on the wall, it's brown. I'm slow. So I'm thinking, this is going to be great on the wall. And sometimes Kathy likes to humor me. So she's like, oh, okay, if you want to put it on, well, let's, let's, you know, let's take it over there and see what it looks like. It's always got that little tone in it. Let's take it over there and see what it looks like. And uh, 
and you put it up there, up, up against the wall, and all the color disappears. And you can't, all it is is just like one thing of brown. So Kathy says, um, maybe if we put it where some light can get to it. So we went over there and decided it would go there in front of the window, hang it over the window where the light comes through. And when the light comes through it, lo and behold, there are colors. Can you imagine? Everybody needs Jesus because he's the light of the world. And what somebody needs to say to us and to remind us is that whenever the light is not shining through you, the world loses the unique person and giftings and color that God put in you. But when you get in front of the light, my, how you're going to shine. Everybody standing up right here. I hope that message meant something to you and that it means something in your days to come. Yeah, if this message has blessed you and you want to sow into the ministry of Cornerstone Church, you can do so from wherever you are today. Simply jump on our website at cornerstone.church and you can find the link there so that you can give in whatever way is most convenient to you. And we'll see you back here next time.